0: hey what is up everyone welcome to the crack house chronicles i am donnie your host and with me is a man who doesn't understand how anyone can get away with murder because he can't even eat pancakes without getting syrup on him it's dale (laughs) hey
1: what's going on man Yeah, you can't just wipe that off either (laughs) no you're wearing it for a while (laughs) yes
0: you get yourself into a sticky situation right there.
1: <laughs> Tar pit sticky. I'm talking Talk about. right.
0: What's going on today, dude?
1: Oh, not much, man. How you doing? I'm good. Doing great. Been a long day. Ready to get this going. I think uh, we have a good show here.
0: Yeah, we've got a good episode today. You got any shout outs or housekeeping for us today?
1: Yeah, we got a few. I got a few. How about we give a little shout out to Patty down in Kings Mountain, North Carolina. She's been, a, Patty. been on board for a while and she she comments and stuff. And uh, a little shout out to uh, Laura we also like to say thanks for listening and supporting the show. And one more had a new fan drop in, and I'd like to give him a shout-out, too, up in uh, Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Miss Jenny B. up there in
0: Fond du Lac. Sounds good. Thanks for listening. And I want to remind everybody, too, you know, when you're listening, whatever platform you're listening on, if, if it allows it, please click that five-star button. It really does help. Please. I'm, Please click it and give us a review. It I like I said before, I don't know how it does it, but it helps. Yep. It helps give us a review. It sure does. If you have an iPhone, go on that
1: podcast button and uh get in there and give us a five star. That's right. It's that easy.
0: It's that easy. Easy peasy. All right, Dale, we're gonna get into this week's episode. We've got another serial killer this week. You know, we've done some serial killers, you know, here lately. Yep. And like we did Randall Woodfield. We did. Former Green Bay Piker. Uh Yes, that's right. And we did Vaughn Greenwood mm-hmm. and Robert Hanson. Those guys, they had MOs. Right. You know, like Robert Hanson, he would prey on strippers and sex workers and things like that in Anchorage, Alaska. Yeah, there was a plenty, so he was thinning them out a little. Yeah, and then, you know, we had uh, Vaughn Greenwood who would prey on the bums and hobos and right. the winos and, and Skid Row and the Los Angeles area. You know, they had a particular victim they were looking for. Right. But the guy we're talking about today – he had no M.O. No, his M.O.
1: was no M.O. That's right. That's right.
0: And the guy we are talking about today is Israel Keys. Israel Keys was born in Richmond, Utah on January the 7th, 1978 to parents Heidi Keys and John Jeffrey Keyes. John Jeffrey. John Jeffrey. Israel, he was born to a large family, and he was one of 10 children— born to his parents and they were incredibly religious and their children were homeschooled and they tried to shelter their, chi- their children into their religious household and from outside influences right well you did say utah so that makes sense yeah exactly when keys was between the ages of three and five years old his family moved to colville washington and there, Dale, they lived in a one-room cabin, Woo. no electricity or running water. That's tough. That's you, a pile of people. Yeah, you got 10 kids and two parents. you talking a dozen people living in a one-room shack. Man, yeah, that's not
1: good. That's a little tight.
0: Yeah, that's tight for quarters right there. Shortly after moving to the area of northeastern Washington State, the Keys family began attending a church, and it was known as the Ark. And now it's more commonly referred to as our place fellowship. And the Ark has become well known throughout the area for its racist viewpoints. And the Ark is just one of many Christian identity religious movements that uprooted in the area. Hmm. So you know you're talking about yeah, this northwest area. It's very strange compared yeah. to church around here, I guess. Yeah, and then some of the followers of the Ark or you know, now followers of Our Our Place Fellowship believe that they are the descendants of Anglo-Saxons of other northern European groups, and they're the true chosen people of God.
1: Right, so that would kind of give them why they would think that way, I guess. I guess. You, we're better than you are mentality.
0: Yeah, and over the years, this is, has attracted many anti-Semitic people from the surrounding area and led to a lot of hostility towards others, you know, with other beliefs right. uh, and other races. So, yes, yeah, this, this is not a good area for Israel at all. no. And while they were at this church, Dale, that's when he met up with uh, Chevy and Shane Kehoe. And later on, these two boys had become uh, convicted murderers, and they were actually for murder and attempted murder. Crazy. Yeah, so this, you know, this wasn't a good start, like we said. For, yeah, so
1: that upbringing for him was pretty demented,
0: kind Yeah. Of, kind of twisted, I guess. And, you know, there and having the, the homeschooling and the religious aspect of Everything on Israel it I don't know it probably warped his mind a little bit, I think, yeah,
1: you would think so, and
0: living in a one room shack uh, I can no I can't,
1: outside world always getting is probably that home homeschooling in, in in that crazy church,
0: yeah, that's right now, in the summer of either nineteen ninety seven or nineteen ninety eight a group of teenagers were tubing along the nearby river of the Deschutes river and in this area, it's often, you know, in the summertime, so the temperature can get up to 100 degrees or even more. And it's expected for, you know, groups to, you know, float down the river and different things. But, and at some point in the late afternoon or early evening of a late summer day, Israel must have spotted one of those teenagers and taken note. Cause that's what, that was part of his MO. He would just, like he said in an interview one time, he would let the victims come to him. Right. He wouldn't find them. They would just sort of, Come in his yard.
1: Yeah, he just kind of sit back
0: and wait. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like a, kind of like a spider mm, predator. Yeah. Yep. He patiently waited for one of the teenagers and a young girl between the ages of either fourteen or eighteen. They became separated from the group. You know, when you float down a river, some people will float faster than others. Right, right. And she became separated from the group. And according to a testimony from Israel later on, he abducted this girl and led her away from the rest of the group. And he would go on to sexually assault her, and eventually letting her go, and letting her get away. Mm. But that's according to according to him. According to him, right? And he said that was his first ever, you know, attack on anyone.
1: Right. Now, identity of this girl has never been found, right? No,
0: she's never come forward.
1: So, so whether it happened or not, we're not sure. Just going by what he said, exactly.
0: Okay. Following a a short time living in Oregon, Israel enlisted in the United States Army. And during this time he reached the rank of specialist and was given three different duties, three different duty stations, Fort Hood in Texas, and somewhere overseas in Egypt, in Egypt and Fort Lewis, which is located in western Washington. Oh wow, yeah. My daughter used to live there with her husband who was in the army. Yeah. Oh so she's familiar with the area. Yeah, that's that's pretty weird. That's yeah, that's weird. And he spent a large chunk of his time. You know, in Fort Lewis, which is located nearby Tacoma, Washington. Yeah,
1: it's huge. It's a joint Army-Air Force base on the same, it's huge. On the same?
0: Piece of land, yeah. Oh, wow. Joint base, yeah. And one of the things that is noticeably noticeably different about Israel, he never wanted the renown that his idol, Ted Budden, received. Right,
1: yeah, he didn't want all the fame. He was really fascinating. He wasn't doing it for
0: to be in the spotlight, basically. Yeah, he studied serial killers, and he would read, the, you know, interviews with them and things about them. But he didn't want to be like them. He didn't want to be like the fame and glory, right? Especially like Ted Bundy. Keys shied away from being, you know, like I said, from the spotlight, and never wanted to become associated with the crimes that he would later commit. He he wouldn't even talk about them, Mm-mm. you know, even in his interviews when after he was captured, he wouldn't wouldn't talk about them. No, not unless he was getting something out of it. Exactly. And most
1: thing he asked for was not for himself. It was more to basically was asking not to be (laughs) put in the spotlight.
0: Yeah. But while he was in the military, he received, like we said, the rank of specialist. And his records indicated that he was awarded the following decorations. Army Achievement Medal, Army Service Ribbon, a marksman badge with a rifle bar, an expert infantryman badge, and an air assault badge
1: pretty decorated veteran
0: when wasn't he yeah i mean he was on his way you know he could have been uh, had a military career mm-hmm. if he wanted to and former army friends of of keys have noted his he had a quiet demeanor and he typically kept to himself and on weekends he would drink a lot and almost sometimes consuming entire bottles don't say wild turkey <laughs> wild turkey bourbon Ooh and he was also heavily into the music group insane clown posse when he even kept large posters in his barracks Yeah, ICP. icp he was a
1: juggalo juggalo juggalette
0: and he was um he got out of the army with an honorable discharge so he you know he fulfilled his commitment to the united states army and in 2007 Key started a construction business in alaska called keys construction and he was working as a handyman contractor slash construction worker just a pretty much a jack of all trades right
1: that was in an
0: anchorage right anchorage alaska I seemed like we know anchorage alaska yeah. don't we from from robert, Han- hanson. robert hanson yeah
1: yeah that's first thing i thought of when i saw that i was like wow
0: and when he arrived in anchorage alaska it was actually on march the 9th and over a week after beginning his move north, he began to establish a new home and in, uh, in Anchorage he established a business for himself. Like we said, he, and he just got in good with everybody. He was just you know just a regular average Joe. Even people said you know he just like looked like the boy next door. Right. Yeah. And after right after he got to Alaska, Dale he found himself a girlfriend, and later they had a daughter together. Right. And that daughter was going to come into play a little bit later too. At least in and, his thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, it seemed like his daughter was his world.
1: Yeah, enough to where he made sure he didn't target any daughters. He didn't target any mothers that had young children, and some even say he didn't do target dogs. But you know, whatever. Yeah, heard, if anybody had, no a, children if they had a pet,
0: anymore. he wouldn't even target them so, either.
1: Yeah, he would stay away from that stuff. But you know, mainly he it was no children and mothers with with young children and stuff like that. He he did not target.
0: Yeah. All
1: right. He was very meticulous. In yes, what he, he did, was so.
0: very meticulous. Now, Dale. By this time, when he was in Alaska, Israel Keys was in his thirties. He was a single man, but he had a girlfriend. But he was technically single, and he began to turn from his religious life. You know, he he was a devout atheist and, and abandoning all the religious upbringing that he had been given.
1: Well, that's probably not a bad idea considering what kind of religious. I mean, you know what I mean? I wouldn't really call that religion. That that was a pretty strange church he was involved in when he was young.
0: Yeah, and like we said, too, you know, like his idol, Ted Bundy, he began to abuse alcohol and he began to frequent prostitutes, too. Hmm. And for all of his narcissistic tendencies, Keyes was a man of many faults. And in one life, he was witty, loving, just a great father, hardworking job and you know an army an army veteran right and he traveled traveled the world you know and done some good things serving our country but underneath all this he was a man that was torn and broken he shielded to everyone except you know his victims mm. and this, he was a man who didn't believe in a higher power right he enjoyed inflicting pain on others yeah he was he was a monster no doubt about it he was a tortured
1: soul i think he so had a lot going on in there,
0: and he didn't want people to know this. He just he didn't want want them to know it. And he began to imagine a world where he inflicted pain on as many people as possible for his own enjoyment, and he didn't plan on seeing the ramifications of his actions. And he had he even dreamed of going out in an epic gun battle. Mm-hmm. You know, when if he ever got caught, blaze of glory. What he said, yeah, he was going to go out and shooting. All right, Dale, we're going to get into some. Israel Keyes' victims. Now, Keyes admitted to investigators that he killed four people in Washington and one murder in New York State. But authorities have not determined the age, identity, or sex of the victim or when the murder even took place.
1: Yeah, he's very vague about a lot of stuff. There's only like really three that we know a lot
0: about, right? And you can look at some of these interviews on YouTube with Israel Keys, and he... He just – he's all over the place in his interview, even laughing and taunting the FBI agents at times. Yeah. He uh, he don't tell them a lot, and if they start asking him questions, he'll say, I just don't want to talk about that right yeah. now.
1: If you get too close to anything, he's like, eh, hey, we'll talk about something else.
0: Yeah. He, he, was, he was running the game even after he was arrested. Right. Keys claimed to have killed a woman in April 2009 in New Jersey. And buried her near Tupper Lake in Upstate New York, and Keys also admitted to killing Bill and Lorraine Courier of Essex, Vermont. Now, Keys broke into the Couriers' home on the night of June 8th and tied them up before driving them to an abandoned farmhouse. Yep. And this is this is pretty bad, and this is where he shot Bill before sexually assaulting and strangling Lorraine. And their bodies have never been found. He put them in trash bags, poured Drano on them to try to decompose the bodies, and left them in the house. Right. And it was an abandoned farmhouse, like we said. And later, the house was torn down and moved, and I guess, took to a dump site. Right. And Landfill. Yeah, and they just, they don't, I guess the bodies got took with it.
1: Yeah, they were in the basement, so one even knew they were there. Yeah.
0: So it was a pretty bad situation
1: yeah he was pretty he was pretty meticulous on these killings about how he'd done that and how he stalked them out and basically basically he'd a kill kit there, and that's what he would do was part of his MO
0: <laughs> yeah, he would go around places in the United States and what he would call kill kits yep. or kill buckets, and sometimes it would be a a plastic tote watertight tote or five gallon bucket with a lid and bury it yeah he had been up to visit some family at one time
1: uh up north there i mean I, if i'm if i'm right and then while driving back down through vermont he decided to do some fishing so while he was fishing he found a good place to go ahead and bury a kill kit that he had with him not knowing when or when he would be back to use it and it was almost two years later when he came back he had flew into chicago rented a car and driven all the way to vermont he would went around and uh kind of just started looking around and he found a house he said that uh he thought would definitely look like an older couple's house and no uh stuff outside to show they had kids and no dogs or nothing like that so he thought well this will be a good so he found an old farmhouse because his his deal was he would always whatever he did and whatever he did to the people wasn't at the same place so he would abduct them at one place and then do what he's going to do at another place so he uh he found a place where he was going to take them, and then later that night he went and waited outside their house. He that was a good room. way not to get caught. Yeah, so he went and cut their phone lines and just waited. And he said he always did that. And He said because uh, uh, he would just wait if no cops showed up, he knew they didn't have an alarm. They, you know, usually they would just do a drive by and look. So he waited outside for a couple hours, noted the neighbor would come out and go for a smoke every now and again. So he just sat outside and waited till uh, he thought everybody was asleep he broke into their garage and, and uh, waited but he also uh, speaking of stuff he wouldn't do if the house had a, a garage that was not attached to the house he wouldn't he wouldn't target that house because it was too big of a risk to go from the house to an open space back into the garage to get in their car so he was meticulous yes and uh, so it, it had to be an attached garage so anyway he broke into the garage and he stayed in there for a while till he thought everything was cool he took a crowbar that he found and busted out the window in the uh, in the kitchen from the door adjoining the garage. And he said it took him probably five seconds to get to the bedroom where they were sleeping. He had, uh, while he was outside stalking the house, he had noted he could hear the fans running. And since he knew it was probably an older couple, there was only people in one bedroom. So he heard fans running from outside, so he pretty much knew that that was the bedroom. So it was, he said it was a ranch-style house, so he figured out the layout pretty easily and when he once he busted in the lights were out and all he had on was a, a headlamp so when he busted in the bedroom they were just surprised they couldn't see all they knew was a light was in their face and he had a gun and basically was telling them what to do and so he was in charge that quick.
0: And they had a gun too, but it wasn't loaded.
1: Yeah, he said it was in the nightstand, and he just kind of—that was another kind of creepy thing. He said that uh, they had a gun. It was—it was, a, it was a, actually in the top drawer of the nightstand, but it wasn't loaded. And he said he wouldn't help them anyway. It was too quick. He, he was—he
0: was, was actually laughing about this, talking yeah. to the FBI agents Yeah, it. Was, about it a, was
1: really creepy. Yeah, just laughing. You know, they didn't have a chance. Yeah, he went in and uh, he uh, zip tied them up. Tore, tore all the covers off the bed and zip tied them laid them on the bed and told them no talking unless he told them to talk and no moving unless he told them to move and then he got a suitcase and started putting their some of their stuff into it and uh when they said well what are you going to do trying to make it look like they uh they just went on vacation or something he goes well when you see the, the cut wires and the busted window you're gonna know that that's not yeah. the case he said what he was doing is putting their stuff in a different bag than his stuff and he could go through it later he said that it's way smart. yeah and none of his stuff was mixed together or contaminated so then he uh he said he was there about 15 minutes and then he got him up and took him to the car and got him in the car and then and, and, and actually drove that car back to the hotel where his car was backed up beside of his car opened the trunk got some stuff out he thought he might need he got some diesel fuel and some stuff and uh i think uh his, uh, another bag with his guns or, or maybe a knife and some stuff. Anyway, some, some stuff out of his car that he was he thought he might need in the disposal and stuff. And then got back into their car with them still. They were zip-tied to the car so they couldn't get out. And then went to the, the old barn house. And that's where he took them in and took him down to the basement. And he said when he got actually – he said uh, Bill was a bigger guy, so, so he just – but he was an older, like an overweight guy, and so he wasn't worried about him running on him. So he took him <laughs> down to the basement, <clears throat> excuse me, and zip tied him to a stool. And when he went back outside, she had already broke loose and was outside, and he had to chase her down, and tackled her, and drug her back in, and then went in and tied her down to a mattress he had already set up upstairs.
0: Mm-hmm. And he sexually assaulted her. Yes. And yeah.
1: well, he was he was preparing to do that, and then Bill he could hear him making noise downstairs, so he went and checked on him, and he seemed he had the stool had actually broken under the weight of bill so so he was broken free and then he wouldn't listen to him so he went back upstairs retrieved uh, his handgun from his his uh backpack went back went back downstairs he still wouldn't cooperate so he said he just started pulling the trigger and emptied all 10 bullets into him and then went upstairs to do what he was going to do to her
0: yeah so let's talk about these kill buckets dale he would go around United States and bury these things in various places. Yeah. yeah. And he would at least what? Five, six days. Yeah, at least. Yeah. And he would have guns, ammunition, rope, zip ties, trash bags, anything, soul, anything whatever. he needed. And he would scope out the area and he would be familiar with it. And And most of the time it was a little wooded area or somewhere he could bury this bucket. Yep, he and, would
1: just memorize where it was.
0: And there are buckets that they've never found today. They are just out there. Crazy. And somebody's going to come across these.
1: Oh. Cash and guns.
0: Yeah, cash. They might have a little treasure trove. Yeah, that's, that's scary.
1: It is really scary. Yeah. And when he's telling that story, it's very chilling, and, and you can find that on
0: all that. Key's last known victim was 18-year-old Samantha Koenig, and she was a coffee barista. Yep. She re- worked in a – the name of the, the place was Common Grounds, right. and it was just a like a kiosk stand out in the middle of a parking lot. It was a
1: very small little – looked like a trailer, actually. Yeah, it very was small, very. smaller
0: than a trailer, yeah. and we're going to post pictures of it on our social media accounts. Right. But this is where Samantha worked, and she was actually working the late shift that night. Yeah. This was in Anchorage, Alaska. So he wasn't going around the United States. This was – Right there in his hometown. Yeah, so he's kind
1: of breaking his own rules. There. Yeah,
0: because he was doing everything ev- elsewhere and not getting caught. Right,
1: like when he did the other one, when he flew into Chicago and then drove however far it is and several hundred miles and then drive back and fly back home just to throw everything off a trail. So this is
0: in his backyard. Yeah. And I think this is where he's getting sloppy. Yep. Now, he kidnapped her from her workplace. He went up to the window and ordered a Americano coffee yep and there's video of it you can watch it on youtube where he's at the window and she's making him a coffee and at some point she stands back because he pulls a gun on her through the window right and she stands back holding her arms up he's got on a ski mask which is not uncommon for- no because it's cold it's cold in anchorage alaska right. and most time you'll see people wearing ski masks right so he was able to crawl through the window of this little coffee stand a little bitty yeah with her in there yeah and they take money from the register she gives him money out of the register and they leave yep he forces her out yeah and they're, wa- they're on the video you can see him actually walking across the little parking lot there yeah. and at some point she gets away from him
1: yeah for a minute
0: and he tackles her and yep, zip ties her zip ties her up now once keys had samantha in his truck he returned to the coffee stand to get samantha's cell phone Dale. She had left it in there. And then he used it to send two text messages, one to her boss and the other to her boyfriend. And in the text message, he stated that Samantha had had a bad day at work and needed to get away for a few days. He took the phone with him, but removed the battery so the police wouldn't be able to trace it, wouldn't be able to ping the phone. But Keys also demanded Samantha's debit card. But Samantha didn't have her debit card with her. No. She had left it in her boyfriend's truck back at their house.
1: Yeah, because he came to pick her up at 830 and everything. everybody was already gone. Just, yeah. Yeah, she didn't have it with her.
0: Yeah, so he, which was a dumb mistake, went to where his truck was to get this debit card. Yeah, he ain't got it. Yeah, but the boyfriend actually came out and confronted him and saw him out there. But
1: he had on his mask. He
0: uh, but he was, yeah. but he, he was able to get the card. And go back.
1: Yeah, I think the boyfriend came out and saw him, and actually went back maybe to go get either help or go get a gun or something. And he come back, he was gone. Yeah, and already had gotten what he needed.
0: Israel Key is slick, man.
1: Yeah, and this was like at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, he had uh once he picked her up, he had just rode her around in the truck for a couple of hours or however long it took till I think uh, he picked her. I don't know what the exact time was that he abducted her. It was around eight eight thirty, I think. Mm-hmm. But he had drove her around until like eleven eleven thirty. Just in rural roads until his girlfriend and daughter had gone to sleep. Then he took Samantha and put her in the shed out behind his house. Yeah. And turned up the radio. Yeah. He had uh, um, tied her up and, and uh, turned on the radio and, and told her that uh, don't be making any noise. And he had a scanner. And if he heard anything if the cops were going to be caught, he was going to come and kill and
0: her. And he actually was able to get the PIN number for that debit card from yeah. her. Yeah. She did
1: yeah he kind of told her that this the whole deal was for a ransom not to not to be flipping out, and then he left and, went and got to go go get the the card,
0: yeah, and he was able to get the card and was able to test the card, and it worked, yeah, so he had he had the makings of a some money going on here, yeah to be able to pull this off right, and then when he
1: got back, he got back said so he went back to where she was went in there, and he had already set up his building the day before and it had blankets and stuff and a space heater and some other stuff in there and said he poured himself a glass of bourbon and poured her a a glass Glass. of red wine yeah and had to drink that and had, had the music going and that's when he sexually assaulted her and strangled her
0: Yep. and she was dead just hours after being abducted Yep. but her family and friends and even her loved ones wouldn't know anything about her for months now the next morning it was on february the 2nd Israel Keys departed for New Orleans.
1: Yeah, that morning he went in and woke them up. To,
0: they had to catch a flight. They were going on a cruise. Yeah. A two-week cruise. Right. So, and he pre-purchased a cruise leaving from New Orleans, which would take them out of the States for the next couple weeks. And this was apparently a regular occurrence for him. That's something they do done pretty regular. And they would take these small vacations just to get away. And during this time, the Koenig family and Samantha's other loved ones they began to. They were growing desperate. Yeah, wondering what the heck's going on. They didn't know anything about what happened to Samantha. Nope. They the boyfriend got a hold of the owner of the bar, the owner of the coffee shop. Yeah.
1: Well, when he got a text from the phone that night, it looked. When uh, him and her dad and her all state that's just so backwards. They all lived together. Her, her boyfriend, and her dad all lived in the same house. And uh, the night that he got the phone, he sent. Uh, her boyfriend, a message saying, if you, well, you know, just like they had been in a fight, I don't need to see you. I'm staying with some friends a couple of days. I need to get my head right.
0: And they had been fussing.
1: Right. And then so apparently he had been reading through her text. So it's like, this will be great. You know, I can throw mm-hmm. off the trail. And then a little bit later is another one that just said, if you blah, blah, blah. So they knew something was up. And then later, I think that's when they tried to get a hold of the, uh, the owner of the coffee shop. And he was out of the country, or he was somewhere on vacation himself. Yeah, but he
0: was able to uh, review the uh, security camera right through his cell phone. Yes, and that's when they seen that, what had happened. Yeah. There was even thought that uh, Samantha's father was a suspect. Yeah, he was a suspect for a long time. Yeah. Now, on February the 17th, Samantha's boyfriend received a text message from her phone and that there was a ransom note at a nearby park and hidden it was hidden under a lost dog flyer and the ransom note was found by the Anchorage Police and it was demanding $30,000 for the safe turn of Samantha right now on the opposite side of the ransom note was a photo of Samantha taken just a day or so beforehand because it had a a newspaper.
1: Yeah, she had a newspaper in her hand. Which was
0: a current newspaper, which was, I don't know if it was the same day or within a couple of days. Yeah, I think it was a couple of days before this. It was an Anchorage newspaper with a date, so they could see that, you know, hey, this is a current photo. Right. Yeah. It shows Samantha in the photograph, looking, you know, having a picture taken and holding a newspaper. Right. But what had happened was, she'd been dead. Right. Yeah, he came back from his two-week cruise and went out to the building behind his house, Dale, and she was frozen. Yeah,
1: he had wrapped her up in a tarp and stuck her in a cabinet just in there since they were in Anchorage, so there'd be no uh, decomp going on. So he, she was just out there for two weeks. She frozen, was a frozen, frozen body. Yes.
0: Frozen body. And he went out there and actually thawed her out with a hairdryer. Yeah, her whole body. And sewn her eyes open. Yeah. He, and the picture we're going to post of her holding a newspaper is a dead Samantha with her eyes sewn open. It is the creepiest photo I've ever seen, Dale. Yeah, he
1: uh, he took the the hairdryer and thawed her out so he could pose her actually looking like she's holding the newspaper. He uh, did her hair, braided her hair in a ponytail or, or braided her hair somehow or another and uh, did her makeup and actually sewed her eyes open to make her appear like she's still alive to pose with this newspaper. I and mean, it still was like with a pol- it was actually a polaroid photo so it, you know it's not going to be that great a shot anyway so I'm sure it looked, you know, there It looked believable. Yeah. At least it appears what you're hoping, you know what I mean?
0: Yep. And believing his daughter was still alive, uh, Samantha's father James Koenig began to plead with the community to raise money to save his girl because even Samantha told Israel that my family don't have any money right you know you can't get any ransom off of me but he began pleading with the community to raise money and the community did raise money they did get together and raise enough money this thirty thousand dollars to be able to pay for her ransom
1: yeah and it's kind of weird how he and he wanted to put in her account yeah yeah so I was, that that still throwed some some uh they're still looking at her dad when, when yeah. that happened because they thought that was kind of strange too because he
0: had her debit card yeah but unfortunately, Samantha had been dead for nearly two weeks. Keys was ready. At this moment, he was ready to get rid of the evidence. Yep. And he began to dismember her body. Right there in the building. And he drove her out to the frozen Mantasuka Lake, where he had to cut holes in the surface of the lake to bury her body piece by piece. Yeah, he and, went
1: out like he was ice fishing.
0: Yeah, he constructed a little hut over yeah. over the lake. Mm-hmm. Because you, you see these everywhere.
1: You know, not down here.
0: No, not the. not down here in the south. You'll see him up
1: there in Fond du Lac, though.
0: Yeah, and they'll they'll have a little little hut over the ice. Yep.
1: Ice fish. and then drill a hole in the ice, and that's what he did. heating in, he was actually fishing at the same time that he was getting rid of these body parts, stuffing them down through them holes.
0: And he was like, yeah, he caught fish to take home for supper that and night made for supper. God yeah, almighty. yeah, he was a uh, man. He was something else. He could turn it on and off, couldn't he? But Dale, this would be the last crime of israel keys that he would ever commit yeah now after the thirty thousand dollars was deposited in, in her account the police began to trace withdrawals from samantha's bank account from atms in anchorage but not just anchorage this was heading south
1: yeah i think there were like three or four right there around alaska yeah And, you know, not not too terribly far from each other. And then...
0: He was headed to the lower 48.
1: Yeah. And then the next one popped up. It was in uh, Arizona, I believe. Arizona,
0: Texas, and New Mexico. Yeah. And and at this time, the FBI got involved with the case. Right. Along with the Texas Rangers. And they quickly found that the person making the withdrawals was driving a white Ford Focus.
1: Yeah, they had seen uh, some of the the camera shots from the atms and they caught it in the background yeah you know they had seen the mass figure before but then they caught the picture of the of the car yeah and that's when uh the fbi got involved and they started checking around and see if they could figure out what's going on and where where it was uh who had that car yeah and once they found out that they it, that uh, they saw that white ford focus in those photos they started uh checking like a. Uh, the cameras on the on the highway on the interstates around where those uh, ATM things were registered. And they saw, actually picked up two pretty quick on the camera. And both of them, when they run the tags, both of them were actually come back to the rental company. And uh, so they were trying to figure out who had rented those two cars. And they also had put out a, a Bolo. They got news back from the rental car company. And it was definitely not their guy. So they, they were waiting for the news to come for the other one now at this time he was headed to his sister's wedding actually and that's why he was doing all this traveling and driving but and uh when they put out the the bolo one of the cops actually seen the a car in the parking lot of the hotel and then so they waited till he come out and Mm -hmm. then uh, once they come out and throw some stuff in the trunk and took off and then somebody um caught him speeding a little bit so they pulled him over and it was him
0: and keys was arrested by the highway the texas highway patrol right in, in the parking lot of the cotton patch cafe in lufkin texas and dale this was on the morning of march 13th 2012 right and after he had used samantha's debit card right it,
1: and uh i hadn't seen this everywhere but i did see one account that said you know he was heading to a, to a sister's wedding, and actually his daughter was with him at this time. Now, I don't know if that's that's true, but I did see that in one account.
0: Yeah, I've, I have heard that, but I hadn't read it, or it hadn't been confirmed by anything I've looked at.
1: So when they got him, and what he had actually put in the trunk that day when he came out of the hotel was his guns. Mm-hmm. So there went his chance to go out in a blaze of glory. He didn't even have his guns on him when they got him. Pulled him over and got his license, and it was him.
0: And now... Israel Keys was behind bars and he would later to go on to admit to the FBI that about the bill and Lorraine Courier. Yep. The couple from Vermont. Yeah, you know, the ones that just sort of disappeared. He admitted to them about that one. And he would go on to admit many more crimes, but he wouldn't go into detail about them. Like mm-hmm. we said, he would just sort of be vague. Right. And
1: actually they didn't know none of that. You know, they just got him for for the Samantha uh murder and then when they got to talking to him they realized we got something here this guy this is not his only only person he's ever killed yeah so and that's when they're trying to get stuff out of him he didn't want to tell him nothing and that's when they he said all right finally goes okay i'll give you two i'll give you two bodies and the names and that's when he gave them their names
0: but yeah. he was he was telling the fbi too that he didn't he would give them information as long as nothing was in the media about him.
1: Right, yeah. He didn't want none of that getting out. He didn't want his daughter to know anything. Yeah,
0: He yeah, like I said, he didn't – when it comes to his daughter, he he was very protective, and he didn't want her, her looking up or Googling anything that would lead to him.
1: Yeah, he didn't want it kind of over her head, you know, being yeah. the daughter of this guy.
0: Yeah, because he had a deep, dark past. And he would go on to admit other crimes and stuff, but he wouldn't – give me details on them
1: yeah basically he wanted uh he the, he wanted to guarantee that everything was going to be done quick he kept his name out of the media and he wanted to be executed within a year he didn't want to sp- spend a bunch of time behind the bars and dragging it out for years and years and being in the news every time anybody turned on the tv so he basically was trying to go out in his own his own way but mm-hmm. uh you know they would they would kind of lead him on a little bit and do this a little bit and he would give them a little bit and wasn't nothing going on fast
0: and after months of interrogations, Dale, and in interviews with the uh, federal authorities, little information had been turned up. And on December the 2nd, 2012, just months after being detained for the murder of Samantha Koenig, Israel Keys extracted a blade from a razor that had been issued in jail. Mm. I, you know, I don't know if he was on suicide watch or not, but he was being monitored pretty closely.
1: Yeah, I think it was given to him by mistake, actually.
0: Yeah. But he used this uh, razor to slit his own wrist just as he set up a series of sheets to hang himself with. Right. He hung himself laying in the bed.
1: Yeah, it said that uh, he actually went, because he was on a watch, you know, and so he said that he went under the cover, slit his wrist, and, and kind of hung himself underneath the cover. You know, yeah, asphyxiated
0: himself like that. Yeah. Right. And Keys had also written a poem while he was in, in jail, too, and we're going to post a picture of that this on our website and social media places too but it's pretty morbid yeah it's really weird yeah but no one will ever really know all the crimes that israel keys committed no he took a with him yeah crazy and, yep and he was ra- laid to rest you know like i saw a youtube video of them talking about on a news channel one of the reporters said that you know he was laid to rest which some of his victims never had that opportunity right and it's pretty bad dude very meticulous, no M.O. What was that the preacher said? He's definitely not in a better place. Yeah, the preacher of the family. <laughs> and some people have theorized that the FBI reached an agreement with Keyes and limited the amount of information about his crimes to get other information.
1: Right. Well, it's kind of like, we you know, in that news clip you pulled up when they said that uh, the, the, the couple that was killed, they said that they had found the, the murderer, but nothing, no information had been given out, no name or nothing. And so they figured that, that was part of that deal, you know, that, yeah, we found out who killed them. We found out what happened to them, but we, we're we not releasing any details or any names. Yeah. They still had never found the bodies.
0: No. They got, they Even got after searching the
1: landfill where they took all that uh, demolition or that, uh, the rubble from that house when they tore it down.
0: All right, Dale, that's Israel Keys.
1: Yeah, that's, a, that's kind of a quick overview of the whole thing. If you guys would like a really, really detailed thing, you can delve into uh, another podcast that we checked out, and it was called True Crime Bullshit. True Crime Bullshit, and it's kind of funny, but you'll see why he said that, because he didn't want, he didn't want uh, his name getting involved with all this true crime bullshit, so that's why the guy, but the, this fellow, and I can't remember his name, and I apologize for that, he uh, researched this for over three years, and it's like a fifteen episode, you know, and it's really detailed. And then uh, you should go check it out; it, it, it's pretty damn creepy. Call yeah, he deep.
0: researched this for three years. Yeah. He had He had information laid on his kitchen table about Israel Keys. Yeah, and
1: he he does he shows a lot of the videos of the uh, interrogation stuff. He plays a lot of that, and then some of it's yeah, it's pretty morbid, actually. So, uh, I recommend you go check it out if you're interested in this case.
0: All right, Dale, we're going to get out of here. Let's do it, buddy. We want everyone to be safe, be careful, and always be aware of your surroundings.
1: Because the next episode could be about you. This is the the Crack House Chronicles. Chronicles.